Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Thank you for the good singing this morning. Today we have a special guest with us. His name is Bill Kerr. Most of you in the room, or several of you in the room this morning, I saw coming in, even know him already. Come, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to introduce you here. Um, we are in a season right now. We're in April of 2021. The pastor that had been here for about 10 years resigned from being at Open Bible. And then we have been in the process of, through a pulpit committee, of finding the next pastor of Open Bible. And so for the last several months, we've been able to have a lot of great men of God come in and preach and fill this pulpit. And we've been able to hear a lot of really good. Um, solid Bible messages because all we need is the Bible, right? And so the truth of the Word of God has been able to penetrate our hearts. So this morning, the person that's bringing the message, his name is Bill Kerr. He has been in ministry for over 30 years. He's pastor churches in Maine. Uh, he's been at churches here in South Jersey. He's been in churches in South Philly, all over this area. And he just brings a plethora of Bible knowledge and ministry experience to our pulpit this morning. And I know that you're going to be blessed by the preaching ministry of him. So would you get your Bibles ready and welcome Bill Kerr as he comes to speak for us this morning. I don't know why they're applauding. <laughs> uh, I'm not quite used to applause. That's okay. That's okay. What a difference a lot of some time makes. I'm looking out here and I'm seeing some faces that are familiar and I'm seeing a lot of faces that aren't familiar. And uh, it was 1999 when my wife and I got into her Cavalier, my car was already up there, and we drove up to a small church in a semi-rural section of Maine in the uh, uh, Western Hills and Lakes region, a beautiful area. We could walk to the top of the hill and look across and see Mount Washington over in New Hampshire. Uh, we were not on the coast, contrary to what some of you might think. No, it was not the coast. And uh, yes, the years have made some changes, and uh, changes in our lives, changes in your lives. And I was thinking back at when we left here, uh, I was sitting right about there on the platform with a trombone in my hand. And next to me was uh, Lillian Seltzer. Lillian, are you here this morning? No, she's not. Uh, playing her baritone horn and in the row in front of me, a little bit to my right, was Brother Hammond with his trumpet. And, uh, and a full choir back there. And, uh, you know, one of the things with that we went to Maine, and we spent eight years there. And uh, my in-laws needed some health care, and my bride sitting over there. 
Nance, stand up a minute so the people know who you are. Come on. Uh, she, she deserves compliments because she's put up with my nonsense for 54 years now. <laughs> and, uh, and she will say, yeah, he, he, I've put up with him. <laughs> anyway, uh, she's the middle child of seven and the three girls and her two sisters were struggling trying to take care of her parents in their senior years and so we left Maine, came back here. We uh, live in a place of Williamstown called Sunny Estates, which is right across from Home Depot down here, thinking we were going to come back to open Bible. The Lord had other ideas. We spent a number of years commuting, pastoring a church in South Philadelphia with 17 different nationalities in that one congregation. And it was neat because when we had a missionary conference, we had an uh, open uh, covered dish supper with everybody expected to bring a dish from their native background. And uh, some of the food became very interesting. And, and I consumed a, a little bit of everything because uh, at the time, uh, because of age, it's no longer the case. Uh, I had an attitude that I had never met a calorie I didn't like. <laughs> and uh, there was a few others uh, with that attitude as well. After that, I spent four years as interim pastor in West Berlin. And now I'm semi-retired. I'm doing fill-in as the Lord leads me in the different places. With that being said, I'm here to serve the Lord more than anything else. You know, there's many congregations where the pastor is considered to be serving the congregation. But if you look through the Old Testament, starting with the instructions given to the Levites, God's men are there to serve the Lord, not necessarily the people. And God is the changeless author of change. God never changes. God actually created time for his own purposes. God himself is timeless. If we go to Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 14, we will see that it says, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Note that God always refers to himself in the present tense, never in the past tense or the future tense. God exists in the present tense. John chapter 8, our Lord and Savior Jesus was challenged 
by the religious leaders of the day, and I call them religious leaders of the day because that's all they were. They were religious, but they were not born again. Many of them were not exactly didn't belong in the post they had because they were appointed by Rome, by the authorities of Rome to be in those positions. But anyway, Jesus said to them, says, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, and this is the religious intelligentsia of the day, said, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen our father, Abraham? And Jesus answered to them, Jesus said to them, verily, verily, surely, surely, I say unto you, before Abraham was, past tense, I am. I am. And right there, they knew what he was saying, that he is, that he is the I am. Always has been. It's interesting that that's in the Gospel of John, which opens with the phrase that, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Very interesting. Yet, we understand ourselves that God created time. He created time for us as a purpose. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, we see these words, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Those of the Jewish faith, saved and unsaved, still follow that today. That the evening and the morning were the day. Their day begins at sundown and continues until sundown the following day. Years ago, when I was a teenager, I had a paper route in a neighborhood that was uh, heavily Jewish. And... I could not go do my collections amongst the Jewish people after sundown on Friday night. I had to wait until Saturday night and somehow figure out how I was going to pay the bill for the papers on Saturday morning. So when we worked that out, but, but the observant Jews would not conduct any business after sundown on Friday night. So. In this, in Genesis 1.8, says, God called the firmament heaven in, his, in the order of creation, and the evening and morning were the second day. In Genesis 1.31, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God created time, even though he himself is timeless. God's timelessness is given to us again in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And then in Revelation 1.8, Jesus is telling the Apostle John as he's giving him instructions to write the things which were, the things which are, and the things which shall be. In the book of Revelation, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. God has had a plan for years. 
God has a plan for your life, has a plan for my life. Many times we don't see that plan. For instance, as I referred to a few minutes ago, when Nancy and I moved back from Maine, we thought we would be coming back to Open Bible Baptist Church. That's one of the reasons we chose our home here in Williamstown in the, in the Sunny Estates section, because it's close. It took us, what, uh, coming over here, all of about 15 minutes this morning to drive here. Uh, I know that there's certain times of day that it takes a little bit longer than 15 minutes, but for Sunday morning, what more do we expect? God had other plans. I had no clue at all that God was going to lead us for a number of years to a church in South Philadelphia. And I wound up commuting four to five days a week from Williamstown to South Broad Street in South Philadelphia to an extremely historic church. The church had been founded in 1809. And uh, it was in the midst of a church split, and God used us there to heal that split. Some people left, and a lot of people stayed, and a lot of new people came in. And we had a ball there, Nancy and I, with some, de with a, some delightful people from various parts of the world. Korea, China, the Philippines, Ghana, and Lebanon, Israel. And one of the neatest parts was the woman from Israel who was a Christian Jew was sitting next to a gentleman who was from Lebanon where as you are aware of what's going on over the Middle East today, they would have been at each other's throat, but they sat next to each other, loving each other, because they both loved the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing what God can do in the hearts and lives of men through Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 says, When the fullness of the time was come... God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. God's timing is perfect. Yours might not be, and my night might not be. But God's timing in our hearts and in our lives is always perfect. God's timing in terms of what is happening and what is going to happen in this world is still perfect. There are many unfulfilled promises in this word, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I believe that by the time all is said and done, by the time we're all in glory, by the time the Lord Jesus Christ returns for the millennium, that many Old Testament prophecies as well as New Testament prophecies are going to be fulfilled. When the fullness of time was come, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. We have that example given to us in many portions throughout the Gospel of John. The very first miracle of our Lord Jesus Christ was done at a wedding. 
Now, I honestly believe that the Lord Jesus himself and God enjoyed a good time. They still enjoy a good time. His first miracle was where? At a wedding. Now, if any of you have ever attended a Jewish wedding, you know that you're having a good time. The food is, and the supply of food is endless. It is party time, really. And it is a genuine party time because they're not getting drunk. They are celebrating the union of a man and a woman before the Lord. And so Jesus' first miracle was performed where? At a wedding. And yet at that time, they ran out of wine. And Mary, Jesus' mother, came to him and says, you know, they're out of wine. And Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His hour for his ultimate purpose of coming to this earth had not yet arrived. And as you go through the Gospel of John, you will see on several occasions where the Lord says that it is not his time. And uh, John chapter 7 and verse number 6, Jesus said unto them, my time is not yet come. In John chapter 7 and verse number 30, you read these words, then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. He came for a singular purpose. His purpose was to come to pay the penalty for your sins and my sins. To shed his blood upon that cross so that our sins could be cleansed by his shed blood. John 12, 23. Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come, the Son of Man should be glorified. And the true Lord's Prayer, which is found in John chapter 17, the, what we normally call the Lord's Prayer really isn't a Lord's Prayer, it is a pattern for prayer that the Lord Jesus gave us. But the true Lord's Prayer is given to us in John 17, and that's an interesting passage, the entire chapter of John 17 gives you his prayer, but he opens it up in John 17 and verse number one. These words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. The hour was come when he was going to go to the cross and shed his blood to cleanse you and I from the taint of our sins, from the sin that we had from the time we are, have been born. Now, those of you who are parents raising uh, little children, you know all about kids being born with the DNA of sin because there seems to be a tendency 
for misbehavior amongst children. They have to be taught one way or another uh, that uh, no, you don't do certain things, that you're to behave yourself. Uh, <clears throat> my father was very good with uh, a belt, and my mother was very good with the backside of a hairbrush or a wooden spoon. And uh, you know, they, uh, I was taught that there are certain things that were off limits. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I learned. So, and, and many, many of you that have kids, you will, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And as far as the time goes, I learned all about time. They didn't call it time out back in the day, although it was. Go sit in the corner for five or ten minutes facing that corner. Well, at that young age, five to ten minutes seemed like an eternity. Uh, it was awful. And, and many of you that have gone through that yourself, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Today, at this point in my life, five to ten minutes, it's gone. And I wonder where the time has gone. But back in then, when I was a kid, it was awful. But God still has a plan. And God has given us that plan. Many people are afraid of the book of Revelation. I'm not afraid of it. It gives me confidence. It gives me confidence that God is still on the throne. And I'm just skimming over a few things in terms of the book of Revelation. God is still has that plan. There are many unfulfilled prophecies. The first three chapters of the book of Revelation cover the church age. Seven different churches, and those seven different churches give us certain things about what is happening during the church age. And I honestly believe that we are in number seven, church number seven, the Laodicean church, in which much of the church today is lukewarm towards God and his ultimate plan. That there is a lukewarmness in much of what is called Christianity today. Much of what is called Christianity today is a false Christianity People are looking for entertainment instead of uh, uh, true uh, Bible-believing preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And something I'm looking forward to, I may not live long enough to see it. It might happen after I'm gone. One of my professors in Bible Institute, he actually believed that he would live to see it. Well, he's with the Lord now. Dr. Virgil Guerin, who was head of the, what was then the Central Jersey Bible Institute, which uh, was closed down by Dr. Guerin's successor, twice removed. Why, I'll never know. It was an evening school, and we uh, drove up there on Thursday night, and Thursday nights, we had three classes in that night, plus a chapel service, and everybody went home with toothpicks under their eyelids to, so that they could get home safely. And uh, 
for eight years of that. And I was, they, we started with 110 in that class and I was one of eight that actually graduated. And uh, we had some excellent Bible teachers in that school. Don't ever say that a Bible Institute, uh, don't, don't, don't look down on a Bible Institute. We had some excellent teachers and uh, I still use some material. Uh, one of them was a gentleman that came who had photographic memory. Now he was only a little guy physically. He only stood up to about here on me. Uh, it's a good thing with, with a pulpit like this, uh, he would love it because uh, most pulpits, they had to build a special platform for him to stand on. But I can still see him, Dr. Milligan, with his quoting scripture with his finger moving in the air. Because with photographic memory, that dear gentleman was reading his Bible in his mind. He didn't need it, the book. And I still refer to his book on the end times on the book of Revelation because he wrote, wrote an excellent book on the book of Revelation. Sherman Milligan was a, and we had other giants in the word. Virgil Guerin was, was another giant in the word. John McCall was another one. And then after that, I did seminary work. And don't ask me how, because I'm not a scholar. I graduated magna cum laude, and I looked at that, I said, you guys got to be kidding me. But here, chapter 4, chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, look at that with me for a few moments. Chapter 4, the Apostle John is experiencing something that you and I are looking forward to. And many of you younger folks in this auditorium this morning will be blessed to see this happen. And he is experiencing what we know as the rapture. Chapter 4, verse number 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. From that point on, there is no mention of a church in the book of Revelation. Because the church of today is gone. This passage parallels what we see in the description of the rapture in Thessalonians and other passages. Verse number two. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. 
If this morning you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal savior and you're young enough, I'm not convinced that I will live long enough to see that. Maybe I will, maybe not. But that's up to the Lord whether he lets me live that long. But there are some of you that are a lot younger than me in this auditorium this morning that perhaps you may live to experience the rapture. And then after that, the tribulation. And what you and I are seeing in the world today is God setting the stage for the tribulation period. I remember Dr. McCall saying in his preaching, because he's the one that encouraged me to go to school in the first place, that all of this let us get together business and will make the world a better and better place is a theme of the devil. It's a theme of the devil. And the devil is still the prince of the power of the air. And he is still causing mischief and mayhem on this side of glory. But those of us that belong to him, we can wait on the Lord, knowing that everything that is in this precious book, this is the word of God, cover to cover. Notice I said it is the word of God, not contains, but it is the word of God, cover to cover. And I am thankful that there is no copyright on the word of God. Now, this is, this is a reference edition, so the references are copyrighted. But if I have a very plain copy of the Word of God, there's no copyright in it. Because it's the Word of God. And I am trusting in that. So until the rapture occurs, or the Lord calls me home, we have a job to do. You and I have a job to do. And some of us do it one way. Some of us do it another way. And that is to let everybody around us know that we believe God's word and that we are trusting him for our salvation. That there is coming a day when those of us who know Jesus are going to be with Jesus and those of us who don't know Jesus, shame on them. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. God is giving us time. God is giving us time. One of my favorite verses, and it, until I saw this verse and its significance, when I was a young Christian, I had trouble answering those who would challenge me and say, well, if God is so good and wants things to be so perfect, why doesn't he just wipe the slate clean 
right now? Why are we waiting? 2 Peter 3.9 gives us the answer to that. Let's take that whole passage in 2 Peter. It's several verses long. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning of verse number 8. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God is always in the present tense. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is giving this sorry old world a chance after chance after chance. But there's coming a day, verse number 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You don't know when, I don't know when. Those of us who know the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior, we're ready. But there's many around us that aren't ready. And it is up to us to carry the word to them. One of the things that Nancy and I love to do, we carry in our pockets these little smiley booklets. It says, smile, Jesus loves you. And I, and I like seeing somebody with a smile on their face. I love seeing somebody with a smile on their face. When, when we were greeted this morning by one of the sisters here, she had a smile on her face as she walked across here. She didn't know we were going to be here, even though I had talked to her just yesterday or two days ago. And she had a smile on her face. I'm glad you're here. Smile, Jesus, love you. Gives the whole plan of salvation right in this. One of the blessings for my bride was when we came back from Maine and was caring for her parents was that she was able to witness to her dad first. And he read that little booklet and gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus. And then her mother followed. What a blessing that was. To know they're on their, on their way. This young man is going to come up in a moment to give an invitation. Some of us, in terms of the invitation, need to remember that even though we're saved, even though our sins are covered by the blood, on this side of glory, we're still sinners saved by grace. Romans chapter 6, Paul writes about his dilemma that many of us face in our lives. He says, I do the things that I shouldn't do, and I don't do the things I should do. Who shall save me from this? And the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. So even those of us who know the Lord, 
need to keep in mind that we are still sinners saved by the grace of God and carry with that, carry with that a sense of responsibility to the unsaved that are around us. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you for what it can teach us from cover to cover. We know, Lord, that your word is a limited revelation of an unlimited God intended for limited minds. But you have promised us that there is coming a day, as the Apostle John wrote in his, third, in his first letter, chapter 3, that we shall be like you, for we shall see you as you are. As we trusted that promise, Lord, send us to our neighbors, to friends, to those around us, to carry the message that yes, there is an answer. And the answer rests in the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose precious name we pray, amen. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.